0: All right, getting started. Um, we are in, we're reading in Genesis, Genesis chapter forty-five, and now Pharaoh's household hears that that Joseph's brothers are are there, and so now Pharaoh is going to speak to him. So in verse sixteen of Genesis chapter forty-five, now when the news was heard in Pharaoh's house that Joseph's brothers had come. It pleased Pharaoh and his servants. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, Do this, load your beasts and go to the land of Canaan, and take your father and your household and come to me, and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you will eat of the fat of the land. Now you are ordered, Do this, take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and for your father, and come. Do not concern yourselves with your goods, For the best of the land of Egypt is yours. Then the sons of Israel did so. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for the journey. To each of them he gave changes of garments, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. To his father he sent as follows ten donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt and ten female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and sustenance for his father on the journey. So he sent his brothers away, and as they departed, he said to them, Do not quarrel on the journey. Then they went up from, the, from Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. They told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and indeed he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. But he was stunned, for he did not believe them. Then they told him all the words of Joseph, that he had spoken to them. And when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. Then Israel said, It is enough. My son Joseph is alive. I will go and see him before I die. So further er, earlier on in that chapter, Joseph had said to his brothers in verse 10, You shall live in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, and your children, and your children's children, and your flocks, and your herds, and all that you have." So let me share my screen for a moment so you can we can go back and look at these maps again, which I haven't shown in quite some time. And then we'll also look at another chart to give us a perspective on something. So you see this map of the Nile? So this is the map of the Nile. It's going from south to north entering, going into the Mediterranean Sea. So you see the Nile, its origin is on top of this mountain and on top of this mountain from these two lakes. And then they both feed into the Nile. So they go all the way from where where Kenya is and Ethiopia and they go all the way and they enter here into the Mediterranean. And it's going to be right here in this land of Goshen, just where this river is, so this is right by, <clears throat> by the delta. Right here is the Dead Sea. This is the land of Israel. Here, <clears throat> this is the Sinai Peninsula. So the children of Israel are going to move right in this region. This is the land of Goshen, where this it breaks up into all of these these uh, uh, the, where the Nile River breaks up before it goes into the Mediterranean Sea, and this is where they're going to move. <clears throat> now, right here is is Tanis. This is where. Pharaoh and Joseph live right here. So it's very close to where the children of Israel are going to be right over here. So he says, when you're going to be near me, he really means that they're going to be very close to him. They're not, you know, this is, this may be 50 miles, but it's still close to him. And, uh, uh, and so that, that's, that's where they're going to live. And you can see the size of the Nile. Like this is, this is in, in central Africa. And you see how, how far this, this river goes. And we've seen this before. And here's this satellite image, and you see this delta here. The Nile Delta is very well uh, uh, taken care of and very plush land right here in this land of Goshen. The, the whole Nile Delta is. And there's the, the night picture from the International Space Station. And you see all of these lights here uh, uh, today, but it's all dumping in, and so it's right here where they're going to be living. And... Again, here's another shot from the International Space Station where you can see the, the breadth of the Nile. There's the Nile River today in Cairo. But this is what I wanted to get to, this chart. Now, there's this, there's this thought that the children of Israel are going to spend 400 years in the land of Egypt. That's actually not right. They're going to spend 215 years in the land of Egypt. If you look at all the prophecies, they're all mapped out here. And I got this from Answers in Genesis. If you just went to, from Answers in Genesis... uh and then typed in how long the children of Israel are in the land of Egypt. Boom, this, this chart will come up. And so <clears throat> there's a number of different verses here that spell this out. The promise was given to Abraham 430 years before the Exodus, before they left Egypt. There was a promise given to Abraham. And as you go through this, you see Ishmael is born 419 years before the Exodus. Isaac is born. This is a key date. When Isaac is weaned, 5 years old that's where the 400 years starts beginning the 400 years of persecution that the children of Israel are going to undergo that's that's the uh 400 that's the uh 405 years don't know if you can see that can you see that okay looking okay so that's the that's the 400 years when Isaac was 5 years old he was being mocked by his brother Isaac Isaac was 14 at the time that that uh, um I'm sorry, Ishmael was 14 at the time that Isaac was born. So he was, he was 19 at the time or so. And he's mocking him. That's where the 400 years of persecution, that, that, that's the time stamp. And then you go through this, Abraham dies. Remember, when Abraham dies, Jacob is already 15. So Jacob, Joseph's father, overlapped with Abraham at the age of 15. I have a lot of memories of my two grandfathers, uh, before the age of 15. So he well knew his grandfather, uh, uh, Abraham. So the three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob overlapped in their lifetimes. And then you go on through and you see that, that, uh, uh, these different birth times here, Joseph is sold into slavery when Isaac is still alive. Isaac is 68. He's going to live to be 180. So Isaac lives, lives, uh, um, 12 years after Joseph is sold into slavery. So he sees the pain of his son Jacob. Jacob is 108. Joseph is 17 when he's sold into slavery. And then Isaac dies at 180. Jacob is 120 when Isaac dies. Joseph is 29, but he doesn't know anything about this because he's in Egypt. Then Joseph at the age of 30 is made second in command of Egypt. We're still 260 year 224 years before the Exodus is going to occur. 224 years to the Exodus uh, time is, is going to occur. Now here's what's interesting here is that, is that um, uh, Jacob dies at the so Jacob comes into Egypt at the age of 130. So when he says that it is enough I will go to see my son and then I will die he's still going to live another 17 years so we really don't know when we're gonna die. So, so uh, Jacob lives to be 130. I mean, Jacob comes into the land at 130. Joseph is 39 when they come into the land of Egypt. That's where the 215 years starts that they're in the land of Egypt. Persecution hasn't yet started. There's a great welcome. You see how much Pharaoh is welcoming them into Egypt. Come on in, I'll give you the best land. The reason Pharaoh can do this is because remember, the, for 250 years, the Pharaohs were Semites. From the same region that, that that the the Hebrews were from, they were both descendants of of Shem or Semites, and so they came into the land. and uh, um, And so you you see them coming into the land, and they're they're really quite welcomed at this point. This is two hundred and fifteen years before the exodus occurred. Two hundred and fifteen years after the promise was made to Abraham, and so then when Jacob dies, we're going to see a real shift here when Jacob dies. So. Uh, Jacob dies at 147, still greatly welcomed in the land. Joseph is 56. Then when Joseph dies, there's a big difference between when Jacob dies and Joseph dies as the way they're treated in Egypt, as you'll see. It's only 64 years from the time that Joseph dies to the time that Moses is, is born. Moses was born during the time not just of slavery for Israel, but it was of genocide. They were actually trying to wipe out the Hebrew race. All the male children were to be thrown into the Nile. But remember, Moses' mother would not throw him into the Nile. And uh, so she built a little basket for him and floated him out there, and his sister Miriam watched the basket. And so she hid him among the reeds there. By that time, there was genocide. So it was only 64 years past, so something happens. After the death of Joseph, but we'll see it's already happening at Joseph's, Joseph's, the time that he dies. 64 years later, it's not just slavery, but it is full on persecution and genocide against Israel. And then 80 years later, when Moses comes back into the land, this is when the Exodus is going to occur. So they were in the land 215 years as a, as a group of people. The persecution started happening somewhere around a hundred years, hundred and twenty years, hundred and thirty years before the the uh uh before the Exodus. So that kind of paints the picture of what I wanted to to share in that. So now now when you look at this, so that that's all I'll be sharing the screen today. So what you see here is that is that the life of, of Jacob and the life of Joseph were very different when they died. When they died, there was a big difference. So if you look at the life of... uh, In in Genesis chapter 50. In Genesis chapter 50, when Jacob dies, look at what happens. Then Joseph, Genesis chapter 50, reading verse 1. Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Now 40 days were required for such is the period for embalming. And the Egyptians wept for him for 70 days. There was a 70 day period of mourning when Jacob, Joseph's father, died. You see, Pharaoh welcomed them so strongly into the land. He said, first of all, he says, he said in verse 17 of chapter 45, he says, do this, send, they're gonna get the best land, send them wagons, send them everything, bring them into the land. Highly welcomed into the land. This is how they're welcomed into the land. Seventeen years later, when Jacob dies, they're still highly welcomed. They're having a big funeral for him. Seventy days of mourning for him are going on here. And then you see that that they they had a big entourage take his body back into the land of Israel and have him buried by, by Abraham and Isaac. So you see all of that happening there. Now if you look in that same chapter, Genesis chapter 50 verse 26, here's when Joseph dies. So Joseph died at the age of 110 years, and he was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. Period. Everything ends. He was embalmed and placed in a coffin. You see no days of mourning, nothing. So something has happened in this period from the time that, 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 that uh, uh, Jacob died. So Joseph was 56. He died at 110. So somewhere over that 54 year period, you're already seeing the Egyptians view of the Hebrews is starting to change. They had a beautiful reception for them. Welcome into the land. You got the best of land, best of everything. The Hyksos empire, which ruled Egypt for 250 years, these Shemites ruled Egypt for 250 years. That is now expiring. So these are no longer Shemites who are ruling Egypt. They don't care much about the Hebrews. So when this guy who had saved their country dies, he's embalmed, but no funeral, nothing. The book of Genesis ends on that note. From the time that he dies to the time that, that Moses is born is just like 64 years. In that period, from the time that he dies... There was full-on genocide against the Hebrew race. Something happened in a very short amount of time. They go from being highly welcomed to being exterminated as a race over a short period of time. How can this happen? Can something like that happen? Well, I want to look at a few other patterns because the main thing for today is how fast the world can turn on us, how fast friends can turn on us. It is really an amazing thing, and there's, there's these different passages in the scriptures. In, in Acts chapter 14 is a beautiful example of this. In Acts chapter 14, uh, uh, Paul is in this, is, is visiting this Gentile city, and he's visiting this Gentile city of Lystra in Acts chapter 14, verse 8, and he sees a man there, and he the man was crippled, and he heals the man, and the people in Lystra are so enamored that this man whom they knew has now been healed, so that the people want to start worshiping Paul and Barnabas, thinking that they are gods so so uh um, in verse. In verse uh, 11 of Acts chapter 14, it says, When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they raised their voice, saying in the Lyconian language, The gods have become like men and have come down to us. Then they began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gate and wanted to offer sacrifices to the crowd, wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowds. But when the, apostle, when the apostle, apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard it, they tore their clothes and rushed out of the crowd, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you. And so it, you, you go on and it says in verse 18, Even with these sayings, with difficulty, they restrained the crowds from offering sacrifices to them. Paul had healed a man. God had healed a man through Paul in, in, in uh, Lystra, and uh, uh, they wanted to worship him. They thought he was a god. And it says even, they, they said they said to, it was hard for Paul and Barnabas to to restrain them from offering up offerings to them. Look at the next verse now, <clears throat> verse 19 of Acts chapter 14. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. He goes from being a god to kill the man over like a one-day period. Things can turn in an instant. The Israelites went from being highly welcomed and honored to being systematically wiped out as a race. Life can turn on a dime. We all have personal experiences. I saw this once with with one of my sons. At, in two hundred in, in two thousand and sixteen, he was a student at Rice. He had many friends, in in uh, uh, through one of the campus groups, not one of the campus Christian groups, one of the campus groups. And when my son went to vote, he couldn't find he couldn't bring himself to vote for either the Republican or the Democrat in two thousand sixteen. So he voted for a third party candidate. So when he went back to the colleges, his friends said, who did you vote for? He said, I voted for this third-party candidate because I couldn't vote for either one. That whole group turned on him and said, because you didn't vote for so-and-so, you're not with us anymore. And it devastated him, absolutely devastated him, that these were his friends that he enjoyed so much, and he ended up pulling back and, and, and spending more time with his Christian friends because they weren't rejecting him like this. But you can see people can turn on you in a dime. Just boom, turn right on you. There are numerous examples of this in the scripture where people will will turn on you. And this is a pattern we actually see in the scriptures. And I want you to see this because this is what you're in for, particularly in this generation. In this generation, it's all the more severe because people don't even have to have a mob and get the mob going. All they have to do is send out one tweet And it can get a mob of people sitting in the comfort of their own homes to come against you. And you go from being highly favored and a wonderful person to the next day being utterly devastated. Remember, the Bible says you reap what you sow. So I encourage you, do not be one of those people who piles on against other people, or you will reap exactly what you sow. You want to be free of this. And I see it, you know, there were were people that we really honored in my generation growing up. We learned about them, we honored them. And now I see in this day their very statues being torn down and people spitting on them and breaking their statues, which was unfathomable when I was a a youngster. I mean, we, we really respected these people. Things can really turn. And the Scriptures talk about this. I want you to read in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 18. John chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. These things will come against you. You will not always be highly favored by all your friends. Because of your stand for Jesus, because of your stand for God, there will be people turning on you. And I have certainly experienced this in my career. I've certainly experienced this several times in my career. Jesus warned us about this, so we should not be confused of this. This happened to the children of Israel. You see this grand welcome. All of these things Pharaoh sends to welcome them in. He says, you got the best land, there's all these animals, and twice in this passage in chapter 45, Pharaoh says, do this. Gave him a list of things to do. And then Pharaoh said, do this. Gave him a list of things to do. This was not an option that Joseph had. Joseph had to give all these things and make this way to welcome in his family. It wasn't going to be that long in Joseph's lifetime. There was a change. From the time he was 56 to the time he was 110, there was no, no holidays when this man died. And just 64 years later, there was genocide, active genocide against the people. There is this amazing turning that can happen. But what I want you to realize is that you are never alone in this. You're never alone. So for example, um, in in Isaiah chapter 53, this is speaking of the Messiah Jesus. This is what it says of the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. What does it say of Jesus in Isaiah 53 verse 3? He was despised and forsaken of men. I don't think I've ever been despised by anyone that I know of. I know that there's, there's some people that aren't particularly excited about the things that I have to say about Jesus and things like that. But to be despised, Jesus was despised. I mean, think about this. The most wonderful, wonderful person is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He was despised and he was forsaken of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus knows your pain when you undergo rejection. And I am warning you, this will happen in your life. How do I know? Because Jesus said it's going to happen. They came against him, they will come against you. There are friends that you have that that you think are your friends and they may well be your friends, but we never know what life's going to bring. Things can change from one day to another and we see it all the time more than any other time that I've seen in my life. Because of social media, it can change in an instant how people view you. Sometimes you will be persecuted for your faith and even believers, I've seen this, will pull back from you because they don't want to get hit with this shrapnel that's blowing up around you. And they'll pull back from you. And thus, you know, thinking, well, you know, you know, he kind of deserved it for how bold he got about Jesus or something. They'll pull back from you, and you'll feel all the more alone. Just remember, Jesus will never be pulling back from you. Jesus will never reject you. In fact, in these times, he will all the more be near you. He will all the more be your friend. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Like one from whom men hide their face. That means that when Jesus would come by, people would be like, oh no. They, they didn't want anything to do with the man. You may find a time like that in, in your life where when you come in, people just all of a sudden get quiet. This has happened to me. This has happened to me in faculty gatherings. And uh, and um, uh, one-on-one, I'm friends with lots of people. When they're together, they, 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 they want to disassociate with this person who, who wants to speak a lot about Jesus. This is something we bear as believers, something we bear. It says that surely, it, it, it says that He was despised and forsaken of men. He was despised. We did not esteem Him. Verse 4, surely Isaiah 53, verse 4, Surely our griefs He Himself bore, our sorrows He carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And so Jesus went through so much on our behalf. So much He went through on our behalf. This is what Jesus did. Jesus carried this. He carried this on our behalf. And this is what Jesus says to you. Let me remind you of this. Just as what happened to the children of Israel. In a 215-year period, from the time they were welcoming in, there was an exodus. But within about 100 years, they went from being highly welcomed in there to, to genocide. They were being wiped out. And so in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says this. I want you to remember this. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, it says this. Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is the message of the gospel. Come to me. Come to me. Jesus says, come to me. If there are unbelievers, I tell you, Jesus says, come to me. This is the message of the gospel. Come to me. This is the core message. Come to me, Jesus says. All who are weary and heavy laden, And I will give you rest. In fact, in those times when you are summarily rejected by the world and so rejected by the people that that you thought were your friends or your colleagues, it is in those times that Jesus is all the more close to you. You will sense His friendship, His kindness, His brotherly love more than any other time than when you are rejected by men you will be received by Jesus. He says, all who are weary, heavy laden, you got a burden on you? He says, come to me, I'm going to give you rest. Come to me. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle, gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. This is what Jesus offers us. Rest for our souls. This man... Jacob was so welcomed in to the land of Egypt by the king of Egypt, like the god of Egypt, Pharaoh, welcomed in. At the time of his death, they were still welcomed. But 50 years later, they were not welcomed. It was a very different situation. And that that has just been absolutely compressed. Just like lifetimes have compressed, uh, uh, this thing of the world changing on us has compressed all the more. this can change overnight, I assure you, be close to Jesus, honor him, love him, this closeness to Jesus because this is going to happen in your generation much more than with me. I mean I can just retire and, and you know I'm, I'm kind of done. I, I, I'll wrap this thing up. You, you guys are just starting your life. This happens to you all the more and particularly in this generation, in this generation, it can happen so quickly. Learn to get close to Jesus. Jesus said, they hate you because they hated me first. Just remember, I'm warning you. And then you can be so encouraged by the Scriptures. And then you read these verses like, Woe to you if all men speak well of you. For those, for so their fathers spoke of the false prophets who were before you. And you're like, Well, yeah, this is good. You're with me. Jesus said, Blessed are you when, when, when men revile you and curse you and say all manner of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus said said uh, um, that you're blessed when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. So if you're falsely accused, you are blessed. On account of me, Jesus said. When we bear that of Jesus Christ on us and people come against us and speak against us and whisper all these things against us, just remember, Jesus said this will happen. And He says that we are greatly blessed in this. It is in these times that we feel so rejected by the world, so rejected by colleagues and friends. Jesus said, you are all the more blessed now. In my view, Jesus said, I'm going to bless you extra as a result of this. And I'm telling you, I am a living testimony of this. There are a whole lot of people that cannot understand how my career could have been so successful. And I can't understand it, other than the fact that Jesus has just poured out blessing upon blessing upon blessing. We write proposals, and, and I was just trying to communicate that to a friend of mine this morning. We write proposals, and you know we think we're going to get funded, everything's going well, and then we're not funded. My whole career is this god has redirected me into something better he doesn't want my wa- want me wasting my time on that he's redirecting me into something better again and again we find ourselves at the place where the fields are just exploding just doing tremendous we find ourselves there a year or two before anyone else how because god has placed us there God does this, there is great reward in serving Him. There's great honor in serving Him. There is rejection from the world, but there is great honor. In this period, they are going to be highly blessed. The children of Israel are going to go from about 75 people, about 75 people came into the land of Israel. They're going to expand into millions, millions over this 215 year period. And demographers have done done the growth. If you look at that growth over a four hundred year period, it's not particularly remarkable. You look at that growth over a two hundred fifteen year period. Demographers say that is indeed remarkable. You know, every every couple was having like fifteen kids, and then every one of those kids was having like fifteen kids, and it was just exploding. And that's what the promise is we're going to see next week. That was the promise to Jacob. He says, when you go into the land. I'm going to bring you out of there a mighty, mighty nation. That was the blessing. What was meant for them was genocide. What they came out with was absolutely explosive growth. Jesus always has a blessing for us. If you don't know the Lord, I urge you this day, come to Him. Come to Him. Soften your heart. I will meet with you one-on-one, personally, by Zoom. Please let me do that. If you will email me, Today, I'll meet with you tonight by Zoom. And, and and I'll share my story of the Lord with you. If you can't meet tonight, I'll meet with you tomorrow night. If you can't meet tomorrow night, I'll meet with you some other time. I will meet with you. I will make that happen. Just send me an email to tour at rice.edu. I will meet with you personally. This is only for non-believers, people who don't know Jesus and who want to hear my story about how I came to faith in Jesus Christ. I will meet with you. And you will get saved that very same day. You will come to the Lord that very same day. I urge you to know Him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you, Lord, because you have a great blessing in store for us. A blessing that transcends us. That what the world may be doing around us, you have something much greater for us. Lord, something much greater. Blessed be Your name, O Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Father, I pray Your blessing to be upon these young people that when they see the world coming against them, when they see even see their friends turning on them and their families turning on them because of the testimony of Jesus, the false things that may be thrown at them. Father, I pray that they would remember this teaching and they would all the more hold on to You and hold on to Your Word. And Father, for those here who don't know You, Lord, I pray that you would open up their hearts, that they would seek you and seek your face. Thank you, Lord Jesus, because you are so good and so kind to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name. Thank you, Lord God. Amen.